Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And uh, we've been doing a monthly series called Stories and Becoming More Human, but then we've also been interspersing conversations with educational innovators. And, and that's the fun part for me. And that's the impetus in a lot of ways to the, to the start of this podcast. And so today I'm with Mitch Weathers, and Mitch is the CEO and founder of Organized Binder. He is a, a, a teacher, a professor. Uh, he gets to speak, and he's, I think in a lot of ways, just a quintessential educational innovator that's hopeful for more for us as professionals, but then also for our students. And so, Mitch, it's great being with you. And, and I would just love you to just jump right in and share a little bit of your educational story and, and what Organized Binder is, because we're going to dig deep on some of, some of that and how it fits with you know, educational innovation. But jump in with a little bit of your story and then how Organized Binder fits into that story. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad to be here, Eric. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, they, 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 they definitely fit together. Um, as a, so I'll start, I guess, with my story. That's a fun place to start. Um, I was always at best a mediocre student. Um, and more importantly, one who was not super comfortable in the classroom, um, was fortunate enough, probably largely through my lived experience and that my dad is a very large human being that I would, there was a fear of failure and I, I was able to get through. Um, but I definitely remember, like a, still to this day, you know, 30 years later, that it's, you know, in high school or any grade level in K-12, that kind of palpable experience of discomfort or um, just not knowing how to jump in and engage. So a lot of the times with, with Organized Binder, what we talk about, which is really more Ferrer, Paulo Ferreri, kind of his thought in, in his work um, around students experiencing their education as you know, kind of passive objects or active subjects in their education. And I definitely, when I first read some of his work, I was like, oh gosh, that puts a, you know, defines my experience. Like I, I'm in here, I'm in here and it's happening all around me, but I have no clue how to like jump in with agency and dexterity and like be a part of it. Um, and so when I entered the classroom, um, it dawned on me, it was really interesting. It was one of the first times in my life where I was like, oh, I get this from being up here. Now I'm the teacher, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm quote unquote in charge. But what became overwhelmingly clear to me with the students that I was first teaching, um, and I, my first uh, teaching job, I was at a fairly large, comprehensive, um, most kind of urban Title I high school. Um, and the students that I was serving and teaching um, kind of had experienced their education through a, a deficit lens. Uh, from If you asked me like what, what they didn't bring to the classroom was kind of more with how they were labeled than, than what they did. And so I quickly realized like, well, we, we need to view you through an asset lens, what you're bringing and how am I going to leverage that for, for learning and help you be more successful? Um, and the other thing was, oh, and you don't know how to do this. And good thing for you, I didn't either. 
Now, I don't know how to solve that right now, but I totally get what it feels like to sit where you're sitting and experience this class from that place. And from there, it was like I just started trying to chip away at like what, like if we had to distill it all down, what has the greatest impact on student learning and achievement? And, you know, the didn't have the language for it at the time. Um, there's there's two major categories for me. Um, Teacher-student relationships have a profound impact on learning. And then this whole idea of developing executive functions are these non-cognitive factors that are really kind of the foundation for learning. And that's organized binder. So it kind of, from my experience, if you're asking, um, I really kind of wanted to get at that um, studentness like how do you do this thing how can i help you do this um in the classroom so that's kind of the the genesis of of organized binder uh, it's it's amazing too right because when you look at it from an asset lens and then also that idea of you know what um well, i think we take for granted what students you know are acculturated to because i was i was a kid that didn't know how to do any of that stuff until i was in you know, a prob probationary setting in college where it's like, hey, we will help you, yeah. um, you know, in, in that situation. And so I'm wondering, like with Organized Binder, and as you think about it, give us a little bit of the gist of it, but then how it also then gets to that place of, of I think those two things that are really interesting of, of, of creating agency, but then also helping students, you know, with the executive functioning that allows them to organize their lives so that they can actually delve into the learning. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're absolutely interrelated. Um, these, you know, executive functions. And, and to be honest, you ask like, why does it matter? Well, it matters now more than ever. If we look at the last two years of, of what I'm starting to call at least interrupted learning, um, where, you know, we're, we're working like, let's say, for example, in middle schools adopting organized binder. We're, okay. So if you're a six, seven, eight, and you're incoming sixth graders next year, the last time they had any kind of coherent year long educational experience, um, they were in fourth grade or the fifth grade teacher. No, am I getting that right? If they're coming? Yeah. No, they were in third grade. So I keep forgetting the two years, right? So this whole idea of, of developing these executive functions, what the, the, the gist of organized binder is that executive functions are not taught, you know, they're not, they're not learned through a typical kind of teaching learning experience. Executive functions are best learned when I get exposure to them and practice with them on a daily basis in a no stakes environment. I'm not going to master it the first time and that's okay. So I just need practice with them. And so what organized binder, if we're going to go back to lenses, student lens, developing these skills and habits, which are the hallmark of effective learners, research backed, you know, it's just, that's the truth. If you look at Organized Binder through the teacher lens, it's an instructional tool that allows them to create um, a really predictable learning routine, okay? Predictable learning spaces are safer learning spaces where students are more likely to take the risks that are inherent to learning, okay? Here's the key. If by virtue in, in engaging in this predictable learning routine, I get practice with these executive functions every day, 
just because that's what we do. This is how we start. This is how we transition. This is how we conclude. Whatever part of that learning routine you want to look at. Um, if I get practice with these skills and habits every day and I see them modeled. So I'm practicing them and they're modeled with the teacher's organized binder, class sample binder. Um, it's really kind of a win-win. And it, we've actually found, because then there's the rub of like, well, it, it, almost any teacher that you talk to around, they're like, yeah, nobody's going to say like, oh yeah, students, students shouldn't develop executive functions. The question is like, hey, I'm hired to teach fifth grade. I don't have time. How do I really like meaningfully teach goal setting and, you know, give practice with working memory and time and task management and organize Like I have all this stuff I need to do. So if by virtue of the routine, students are getting daily practice and they may not even know it all the time, but they start to hone these skills and habits, making them their own, but it actually frees up more time to deliver my content because I'm not teaching these executive functions in, in, that, in that kind of didactic traditional sense. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense. And I love it, right? And you and I have talked in the past about, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of our, our use of, of things like this in our own teaching help us, you know, help us with this kind of idea, right? Because there's predictability in it there. It's paper, right? Like mm -hmm. we're going old fashioned, right? You know, mm -hmm. in some ways it's paper, but in that, how might something old actually be innovative and or how might something old actually be better than the new and then how do you help people understand this this intertwining of like you know what the predictable the routine actually accelerates the innovative the creative the curious mm -hmm. yeah all good super interesting questions um so the the innovative the, the problem solving, the creativity, um, that in my mind is from experience is really about honing these skills and how, again, so how do I jump in with this agency, with this dexterity, regardless of what I'm learning, regardless of the project, whatever it is, it's like this again, this is that foundational work, which is, but we actually refer to Organized Binder as an education success platform. like. If I can start to hone this stuff, then I can be creative and innovative and, and with with anything I'm learning. Um, to your point, like you're like, it's a binder. I can't tell you. It's so funny, man. Like we'll be on a call, a school or a district or a college is considering organized binder. And then the person will be like, wait, it's an actual binder or like, yeah. Hence the name. We're not changing the name to like make that point. Now, of course, it all exists in a digital um, format. Okay, mostly for um, instruction, con you know, delivery of the program. That's all kind of embedded in our training. What it's not is it's not an app, right? So we're in this app generation, and in a lot of ways, apps do things for you, right? And that's all. That's all great. But you will never learn and hone and make your own these executive functions by having them done for you. So, and what we've seen, there's three things to teaching these. And I think it's absolutely innovative. Um, there's, you have to be explicit. What we're learning, why we're learning it. That's, you know, teaching 101. There has to be a consistent or predictable routine. 
but there, there's something about having the binder, which is for us, it's tactile, it's color-coded, it's kinesthetic. I'm, I'm physically writing my goals down. I'm physically writing my reflections, my agenda. Like, how do I keep a calendar? It doesn't mean you can't evolve to a digital uh, tool, but they're best learned in this kind of tactile, real world sense. Um, but it's in terms of like old versus new, um, it's, it's really the blending of those two, right? And by no means, I mean, I don't think anybody would, would say this, like handing a student a Chromebook or some type of laptop doesn't constitute learning. And in the same way that as, as a biology, high school biology teacher, I would never start the school year and say like, here's your book, you know, this giant biology book. And when you're done with chapter one, come see me, I'm going to give you a test. Like maybe they would learn something, maybe not, but off, you know, if, if I, and I'm not saying anybody's saying this, but when we look at all things digital, I think in our, in our industry, in education, we're completely obsessed in three areas, content and curriculum, technology, and assessment, all of which are great and important and need their space, none of which translate into learning, right? Now, we've got to have really good content and curriculum. Technology plays a huge and important role in that, and increasingly so, and assessment matters so we can kind of figure out where we're going. But what about all of this kind of foundational work? So. It's, it's interesting what some, like you said, what's old is, man, it's more important than ever now. There's current research coming out of Stanford that the part of the brain where these executive functions are processed actually has a profound impact on students' kind of emotional well-being in response to traumatic events like the last two years. Um, there's just, there's just over, I mean, this is the time, I think, to really dive in and see this work as innovative and yeah, to embrace a physical binder. And I'll say one more thing and then I'll let you, I think you have a question for me, but with organized binder in particular, this binder is actually a portfolio. Some of the schools we work with call it um, the trophy or the crown jewel, because at the end of the school year, the end of the semester, if it's a college course, students walk with a curated portfolio of their learning from the first day of school to the last day. And in a fully digital space, where are we building the evidence of student learning? Where, how, how are they looking back on that? What about in very sequential classes? Imagine what it looks like for a student in seventh grade English to show up with their sixth grade ELA binder for them. That, now, and that experience is happening for all students not just those that are like have the A or, or maybe already have some of these skills. It's, it's helping them all develop it, but they have this evidence of their, their learning and their effort, which can have a profound effect on their um, kind of self view within an academic space. Well, it, it is interesting, you know, and you mentioned so many different things, you know, I think number one, the biology teacher who gives you the biology book and says, Hey, read it. We're going to have a test on chapter one. I think that was my biology teacher. <laughs> um, but, but the second criminal, part, criminal. you know, <laughs> but I, I've, I mean, as a history teacher, you know what, I've seen it time and time again too. read test, read test. Um, 
but it is those places. And I think, you know, you, you share your story and I, I, I allude to my own story about these are things that you do. These are things that you practice. These are things that you discover often, often, and, you know, most of the time under the guidance of, you know, of a teacher in all of these different ways. And, and you teach in an online setting as well. And so part of this conversation is this unique digital physical mashup. And that's partly, you know, how I came up with my, the title of my podcast yeah. is this, this place. And we give kids technology all the time without any tools on how to use it. Mm-hmm. And, and so what are you even discovering from a practical side of things, even as a teacher, as you do both of this work, right? As you do, dig, you know, as you do the digital online teaching, but then as you do the organized binder and as you work with, you know, community college professors, you know, um, you know, high school and middle school teachers, you know, what are you learning about the fusion maybe mm. that, that might, you know, um, be an encouragement to teachers to be more purposeful about the the technology that they give but then then the walking alongside with tools like organized binder that help kids learn and discover how to how to organize and how to use it like does that make sense absolutely and those skills make no mistake they transfer into the digital realm you know this is i i like to think of it as a compass you and i were talking about the grand canyon here before we got started um, and the analogy I have used over the years is, you know, if, you know, in this day and age, like if, if we gave, let's just say anybody a, a map and a compass and a ruler and a pencil, um, and picked a destination on the topographic map and said, okay, now navigate your way to this destination. Um, if in, in this day and age, most people might say, well, plug it into GPS and off we go. And that's true. And that's a fantastic thing. It really is. But for many of the, you know, and I would say more than we probably realize, but for many students, their experience and their, their education in, in this same way, like we've equipped them with devices and resources and materials, right? They, they have all of that, but their experience is as if they are out in the wilderness and they have their map and their compass and their ruler and there's no GPS, right? But they have no idea how to engage those resources and technologies. They have no idea how to navigate to their destination. So if that destination is academic success and engagement, until I learn and practice these skills as a geology major, it's hard. Like you have to like figure those things out after practice and time and time and time. It's the exact same thing with these executive functions. And what I've found, and you, you, you mentioned that I now teach in a fully online, asynchronous independent study program, pre-pandemic. So we were quote unquote distance learning the whole time. And my first year, um, I just kind of just joined this school and just kind of shadowed and did, you know, just let the program. So it's an online curriculum. My students all have a Chromebook. And so I just kind of did that and did what the course said to do. And then they got to the end and then they were logged out. Like they took the final exam. I got that, 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 those metrics and stuff. And then they were logged out. They had absolutely no evidence of their learning. It was gone. And I just started scratching my head like, oh my gosh, 
Like I have no idea. And more importantly, where, where's that formative feedback for me each week or each day? Like these things that we rely on. And it kind of dawned on me and I started speaking this way to my colleagues and certainly my students. I'm like, okay, so here's how we need to see it. You know, if we were in the class, we'd be having this interaction and engagement in person. And the Chromebook that you're, you're issued is just the new window into that dialogue. And you're lucky enough because it's independent study and asynchronous, you can kind of access it and, and, and get into it on your schedule. Wow, now all of a sudden time management becomes a really important time, um, skill to be successful in my environment. And so what I tried to do was just look at the digital, fully digital course, um, kind of through that more traditional brick and mortar classroom lens. Like how can I give students practice with these same habits and skills, even though we're, we're, we're rarely live together. Um, and it's simple. I discovered, I was like, well, this is very easy. Like with organized binder, we start with something called a kickoff. Now we typically would start class or the school day. And now for, for my students, it's, it's just a learning period, a learning session, but there's a, there's a distinct way we start. And it's always with retrieval practice and reflection. And then they map out their week they're, and they're trying to, you know, practice time management. Every lesson they take the new textbook is the way I tell them the Chromebook is just your new textbook. And there's something cool. You don't have to carry around seven books for better or worse, but that's the reality of the school you're in, but you need to learn how to take notes. So my students are physically organized binder comes with a hundred sheets of binder paper. So they're taking physical notes and all of this is getting turned into me daily and weekly just with pictures and they submit it. I'm checking it. It's, it's almost identical to what I did or what someone would do with organized binder in the classroom but we're leveraging all of these digital assets to kind of enrich the course, but I need them at the end. And you should see Eric, how proud these students are. They have an organized binder of a portfolio at the end of the school year. And that's the last assignment in the class, like show me your binder and they create a video and they're thumbing through it. And it's, it's really cool. You know, they're creating these physical assets, um, but it's all through a digital, um, I guess, digital portal or, or instruction. Well, it, and it is amazing. I mean, I think, you, you know, I just think about good, high quality teaching and learning in a lot of ways that we so often just don't do is, mm. is, you know, the kids are coming into our classroom, whether that be digitally. And I saw this last year as, as we were fully remote, you know, kind of for, you know, about, you know, 16 months or whatever it might be. Um, in my work and, and, you know, you don't know what they're bringing into the classroom with you or into that space, whether it be digital or the physical classroom. Right. And it allows the student that space to reflect, to think about who they are and the work that they're doing and the discoveries that they're making and set mm -hmm. some goals. And so I'm really interested in this idea of just kind of the reflection pieces that are built into it that that really dig deep into the better understanding and then the second thing is really I mean I love the idea of 
we don't ever do it because you mentioned it, right? Even, even I remember being a semester teacher with my class. You're done, and then you never see the kids again unless they're nice enough to stop by the <laughs> class and say, hey, Mr. Ellison, good to see you. I miss you, you know? Yeah. Um, you know? But it, it is that place. Like, How important is, is the reflection piece and then the tangible nature of the celebration? Like, I have something that I get to show someone else and I get to celebrate myself, my learning, and what I've created. Mm -hmm. Great points. Decades of research have pointed out over and over and have made it very clear that the more exposure students have to what they're learning, the more chances they get to interact with it, um, retrieve it, make connections with other things, the more likely they are to learn it. So Marzano's, uh, one of his his quotes is that students need multiple exposures to what they're learning, ideally, like something like two or three times, no more than a few days apart. With Organized Binder, within 24 hours, they get four exposures. No stakes. It's okay to get it wrong. When we say exposure to what you're learning, which is all through this predictable routine, what I want to do, and this is a best practice with teaching, right, is like, okay, before we move on, this is that thing or these things that I really hoped you you got last time we were together or that we're working on or whatever it might be. And so let's have some time to reflect on that and get your misconceptions cleared up. And let me have a chance to authentically revisit and reteach those things. And all the while you're writing down these what we call kickoff and learning log prompts and you're responding to it. And we do that every single day. So we're virtually building this kind of study guide throughout the semester or the school year. So the, the reflection piece is paramount because that's where retention is, is amplified just because I get to, to go back to it. So the word we use um, is we're just going to marinate you in the content. We're just going to keep coming back by virtue of this learning routine. And it, you just, if you, the big question is just engage, just engage in this routine. I don't care if you get it right or wrong. I'm the, what I want you to do is engage with this learning community. And by doing so, I promise you, you're going to be more successful. So, so that retrieval is huge, that reflection. The physical act of writing something down um, is important. And I think it's important for just that cognitive process, that physical, tactile brain, like that connection, right? And there's research around the value of taking um, notes longhand versus sitting with a laptop. And, you know, to be honest, I, I, my feeling on that is it's really kind of individual. Maybe there are people, although the research says writing it down is better for retention, maybe there are some people that, that do better typing them. But here's what happens in the classroom, that physical, and again, doesn't have to be a traditional classroom, but that you asked about the physical artifact and why that matters. Um, what, I call that we call them celebrating victories. So again, depending on who you're serving, for me, it became very important for students to have opportunities to be successful within an academic context because they were plagued with historic academic failure. And we can have a whole other conversation about the system and it's designed to be perfectly honest in a lot of ways for people that look like you and I, right? And if you're listening, I'm a, 50 year old white male. And if I don't kind of fit into 
that same kind of experience, then, then I may just be less likely to be successful. Um, and so my students, for a lot of reasons, not just that, were, were struggling and had struggled. I had many students that just were honest with me, like, I'm not going to graduate. I'm here because I have to be here. Um, you know, and so it became very clear, like, wow, I need to, I need to try to change that narrative. And what I found was, and it really was a discovery. This was not something I had predicted. When Organized Binder started to come about, and then it was kind of fully formed, and I had the opportunity then to praise students all the time. So like the deal with Organized Binder is you're just in your assigned place or seat or lab table, whatever it is, with your binder open to something called the weekly lifeline. It's a white piece of paper. The one in front of it's gold, because that's where we set our goals. The one behind it's green. That's our agenda and calendar. And so for visual, you know, color coding in the classroom, we can see who's ready to go and who's not. Well, I'm walking around during that time and I can just like, it may not be a big public celebration, depending on the, the individual student, but maybe tap them on the shoulder. Hey, way to go. Got your binder open. Or you brought your pencil today. Like, I, well, these students, when I first started working with them, like, I called them driftwood. We'd always joke. I'm like, you just like float into my class each day. You have nothing from yesterday. And, and you're not making any connections to like, hey, what we're doing today is connected to what we did previously and where we're going. And to be honest, that's on me. Wow, that's not on you. That's on me. And so as this started to, to coalesce, it gave me opportunities to acknowledge students being successful and here's the key, Eric, in a way that's not tied to content mastery. Too often in the, in the modern learning space, at least from my experience, um, successes or victories are tied entirely to content mastery. So if I'm struggling with the content, talk to any math and science teacher, right? If I'm struggling with the content, I, I tend to then maybe have a propensity to lean back right? Because I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not successful. I'm feeling, quote, I'm not smart or I can't do this. Well, we know that learning's not binary. It's not like I got it or I don't. And in those times when I'm confused is when I need to lean in, right? And I've just found that there's a willingness for students to be a little bit grittier when they've had opportunities to be successful just within the academic context. So one of my sayings, if I'm ever giving a talk, is we need to we need to figure out how to pack as many celebrated victories into the first two minutes of class as humanly possible. And they don't have to be public, but acknowledging that. And that's why when we start Organized Binder with the kickoff prompt, it's not a quiz. It's okay to get it wrong because who wants the opportunity to fail the moment they start something every single day? Nobody, right? And especially somebody who's failed or had the experience of failure most of their academic experience. So if I can change that and actually celebrate, so we have this, we call it the checkbox at the end of this kickoff time when we start class or start the learning period, students self-assess at the end of that. A one is like, I have no clue what we're talking about. Five is like, I got it, right? And we always are talking about, hey, that's an important reflection because that self-assessment, because you need to start to understand what it looks like when you got it or when you don't. And if you can figure out, it's more important that you know where you are on the journey than if you got it or you don't. 
And it creates a learning environment where it's like, it's okay if you're a one or two. I actually really need to know that that's important for me. So it kind of just shifts the narrative for students and they're more likely to kind of, like I said, lean in and engage because I mean, they're just feeling better about themselves. I love that. I love that celebrated victories mm -hmm. because especially as we, you know, even as we get to the end of the year, you know, and as we kind of go through the spring, you know, we, we do, we have celebrations, but man, if we would have, if we front load those, I wonder where, you know, sometimes I think about my own teaching, you know, where we would have been if we would have front loaded those celebrations in, in, in some of those types of things. So, so Mitch, let's, we'll close out here. Cause I know you and I probably have plenty of more questions and conversations to be had through this, but I, I think maybe give us one reflection and then give us how, you know, the reflection being what's a question that whether it's, from teachers, with teachers, or just even with yourself, with your own students, what's a question that you're wondering about as we go into the, you know, kind of our future, right? As we maybe, I don't think we'll get back to what was normal pre-pandemic, but yeah. post-pandemic, what's a question that you're wondering as you dig deeper and do this work or that you're having conversations about? And then two, how do people get to know more about you, your work, and Organized Binder? Okay. Man, you keep asking two questions at once. So I'm like, okay, I keep them both in my head. <laughs> um, you know what I'm pondering a lot um, is that I'm curious when we will take as serious the teaching and learning of these skills and habits as we do the content and curriculum we're charged to teach. Um, recognizing that this is really the, the, the bedrock for learning. I'm completely empathetic because like I said earlier, teachers, no one, and most teachers, I mean, when you say the like executive functioning, that that's always kind of been in the, the special ed space, right? Um, looking at executive dysfunction and, and what organized binder really is, is like a, a true like tier one universal MTSS or RTI um, resource so that we can catch a lot of these things. And now if, if, if they're still having some issues with executive dysfunction or whatever it might be, then that would be okay, tier two, a very targeted intervention. So I, I'm, I'm curious when and it feels like there's this, there's this collective shift into like, we need to be doing this. And I think it's um, coming out of the last two years, like recognizing if I'm a fifth grade teacher, and if you're in a K five school, when you get to fifth grade, it's, it's a different experience for those students, because all of a sudden, the whole conversation is about getting ready for middle school, right? If you're, if you're a K five, and it's a six, seven, eight, well, if I'm starting fifth grade next year, the last time I was in a, again, that consistent year-long experience, I was in second grade. Whoa, that's that's just scary. I mean, fifth grade would be scary enough anyway. And so I, I think there's this collective, it feels like there's a collective shift to be like, wow, I mean, you've heard the phrase, like we need to mitigate learning loss, you know? But I said earlier, is in, I, I like to call it interrupted learning a little more than learning loss, but, um, 
that's what I'm curious about. When, when will we, and it's always fascinated me, like, why is anybody talking about this stuff? And why didn't anybody talk to about it in, in graduate school? I mean, I have a master's degree in cross-cultural pedagogy. I never heard about any of this at all. And, and most people don't. And so that's the other thing is I, I'm on kind of a, a mission to bring executive functioning skills you know, or how to teach them to the gen ed space to the mat, like all of us, because it's a lot of times teachers will be like, what? And, and I don't blame them. Most people executive function, non-cognitive factors. Like you start, and it, then you start getting into it like, oh yeah, well, of course, well, how do I do that? Right? So I, that's, that's what I'm curious about and, and, and how I hope I'm lucky enough to continue to keep serving um, in that capacity. Um, and your second question was how to get more in, information about Organized Binder or what? Yeah, and how do people get connected with you? Yeah. Um, so you can email me directly. I'm sure it'll be in show notes and stuff. I'm just Mitch at OrganizedBinder.com. Our general email is success at OrganizedBinder.com. Um, of course, that's the website. You can see my very um, sporadic read non-existent um, social media presence and most of our our channels are at organized binder um so that's a way but best uh to catch me via email um and yeah if if the executive if anybody's listening and they're interested in organized binder we also have just released a new course um called how to teach executive functions in any classroom mm -hmm. and i have decided that i would um, pull back the veil on organized binder for educators and even schools and districts who don't have access to our materials. And so what we're saying with this course is, Hey, we're going to get you 80% of the way there in doing this work. And I really believe it will, will help. Um, the, the remaining 20% is kind of all the, the pain points we've solved for teachers in implementing this work. Um, but 80% is a, is a great start. And, and really gives them access to all of the, the theory and the, the uh, research that's kind of the, the foundation for Organized Binder, but then those instructional strategies and why. So that could be something. They're all going to be, it's all at the website. So that'd be the place to find us. Mitch, I know we got more to talk about, yes, but thank you for starting here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. This is fun, man.